0: Good morning, everybody. That's quite loud. How's everybody doing? Um, well, I hope you're doing well. So for those of you guys who this may be your first week, my name is Carson. Um, I'm obviously American, so hopefully the accent isn't too difficult to understand. But um, this is a really weird week for me because this is my last week here. So this will be my last Sunday. So, um, so it's been really weird. So make sure after the service come say bye. Um, I know some of you guys I'll see throughout the week, but um, definitely don't leave without saying bye for sure. So, um, and yeah, it's been really, really difficult to write this message. I'm not going to lie. It's been very emotional. Um, God's brought up a lot of stuff um, over this past year and, you know, it's kind of you know, reminded me of, you know, all the amazing stuff he's done and, you know, how there's a lot of stuff that I'm not going to get to see, but there's so many amazing things that I can tell are to come in this church. So, um, as always, I'd love for you guys to write some of this down, um, whether it's just a few notes or whether you write the whole thing down. It's, I really believe that God can use the things that we write down, um, either if it's for now or sometimes even for later. Um I know we just watched a film about this guy who went back through his journals from his, uh, from his childhood and how it really, got spoke to him through things that he wrote 10, 20 years ago, and sometimes, you know, there's things that God wants to say to you right now that you're going to need to know in a week, a month, a few years down the line, you never know. So I'd really encourage you uh, just to write, even if it's just a few notes down. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Moses, so quite a big hero, probably one of the biggest heroes. In the Bible, maybe behind like Jesus and David. Uh, Moses is one of the biggest and you know most talked about characters. Uh, There's 40 odd chapters in Exodus that talk about him and he's referenced in lots and lots of other books of the Bible. Um, But I think that there's a lot to Moses that we don't talk about. Um, I think that there there's a lot of amazing stories that we hear about Moses and um, we kind of miss some of the smaller things and the the finer details of Moses's story. So I hope that today Um, God may be be able to show you even just one new thing that you you didn't know about Moses or something that is in Moses' story that you didn't realize how much you connected with or how much you related to. So I'd love to start out just praying really quick, just over the service, and then we'll jump right into it. So um, God, I just thank you so much. Um, I thank you so much for all these people here um, for giving up their time to come and listen and try to learn more about you and understand what this is all about, God. Um, I just pray this morning over uh, this message that you've given me, God, I pray that um, anything that's, you know, from my mind and from my heart, God, you just cast it out and you completely speak through me. Um, I just want to be a vessel for the words that you have to say, God. And I just uh, thank you so much for all that you've been doing this past week and preparing this message. So, God, I just thank you so much, and I just pray blessing over this service. In your sins, We pray. Amen. So, um, if you know Moses, if you know the story of Moses, you know it's a long one, so I've decided not to read all of Exodus, thankfully. I'm sure we'd be here for about a month if I did that, so um, I decided there's really four main things that kind of stuck out in Moses' story um, that I really want to highlight, Um, and because of that, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, so hopefully things aren't too confusing, but there are going to be big parts of Moses' story that I kind of say oh and that happened then we move on Um, so don't get hopefully that's not too confusing but it's just kind of a roadmap. there's gonna be four main kind of sections that I want to talk about there's gonna be some personal stories that I have and then at the end I'm gonna give kind of call to action something that we can do to really respond to this message so um, a few things that you need to know about Moses to start off with Moses was born into the um, nation of Israel, and at the time when he was born, Israel was enslaved to Egypt. So they had been slaves for a long time, they'd been working for them, um, and it had kind of become the norm that Israel were slaves to Egypt. Um, And another big important thing to know is that God had promised a long time ago to the ancestors of Israel that there was going to be somebody that was going to take them out and lead them to this amazing promised land that God had set aside for them. So that's kind of the the background, the stage that is set for this, this story of Moses. But I want to start off um, with something I think is really interesting. I call this first part the inciting error, um, because Moses' story really starts off with one big mistake. Um, we see he's uh, born in Exodus chapter 2, and very soon after, in the exact same chapter, um, we get to read. So I think there should be... Um, Exodus uh, chapter 2 verses 11 through um, 12. I can't remember what I put on there, Um, but I just want to read those really quick to kind of give you an insight into. This is literally one of the first things that we see Moses do. We see he's born, and he doesn't really do anything, and then this is the first part of Moses' story. So one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So I don't know if you caught that, but Moses just murdered this Egyptian, this this Egyptian who was um, giving a hard time to some of his fellow his fellow people. He literally murdered him and buried him in the sand. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big deal. And I think sometimes we miss that part about Moses' story because. You know, there's a lot of other heroes in the Bible who start off with these great victories. I can think of David, you know, David going and defeating Goliath as his first main, main thing that he does for God. Or you have Elijah, who is so faithful at the beginning to, to really follow after what God has. And even somebody like Peter, who we know makes mistakes, but he starts off as this passionate guy. Moses' start is that of an extremely big murder, and something that, if you go on to read in the, uh, later on in this chapter, ends up forcing him to flee out of the country. The Pharaoh finds out, and he has to flee from his homeland. Um, I think that it's really important that we we look at this first part because you know we look, can look at heroes of the Bible. We've studied several over the past few weeks, and we can think, well, that's so great. They're so awesome. These these great huge heroes, but Moses started off his story as a failure. And I think sometimes we can feel like that in our own lives. Sometimes we can look at things that we've done, we can look at you know, some of the the way we've been treated in the past, and we can think, well, yeah, I think God can use me, but not for something that big. I, 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 can't, I can't make it that far. And I think it's, it's definitely easier for me personally to look back on all the times that I've messed up than to look back on all the successes that I've had. Um, However, God does not focus on that. This, this part of the story only lasts for half of the second chapter, and the next 38 or so chapters focus on all the amazing things that Moses does. So sometimes we, we view our mistakes and we put them in this, we, we view them as the defining moments of our lives. But God doesn't see it that way. In fact, God saw Moses as a spiritual leader and as a spiritual giant even at this moment. And so the things that he did did not disqualify him for the things that were to come. And I think that sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, that even whenever we're making mistakes and it feels like things are all wrong and we we can't get out of the situation that we're in, it doesn't disqualify us for the amazing plans that God has. And that kind of leads me into this next section of Moses' life. Um, And it's all about doubt and faith. So, as I said, Moses flees from his home in Israel and flees to a place called Midian, um, or in Egypt, and flees to Midian, and he lives there for 40 years. 40 years of his life, he's in a completely different place, removed from the entire situation. I mean, that's, that's a long time. And all of a sudden, after 40-odd years of living in this different place, God appears to Moses um, and burning bush. I'm sure some of you have heard the story um, and basically tells Moses that I want you to go back to this place that you committed this heinous crime and I want you to lead out the people and be this, this huge leader that I've called somebody to. I want that to be you. Now, I know if I was in Moses' shoes, I would be thinking, God, I don't know if you remember, um, but 40 years ago, I, 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 mean, I, I messed up. It's, it's too late. Like I can't do that. And I, I know, at least from my personal experience, that he probably played that moment over in his memory time and time again. Every day, he probably thought about that mistake that he made. But God comes to him and says, it doesn't matter. It does not disqualify you. And so even once Moses started to go along with it, he started to say, okay, well, I guess I'm the one. He had all these doubts. He said things like, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy. You know, why would people believe me, this man who ran away from all of his problems? I don't have the right skills to do this. I have a speech impediment. I, I can't stand up in front of people. I'm really shy. There's no way that I'm going to be able to do this. And his last one was, they're better people for the job. Even, he said, even my brother, my, my brother is amazing at this. You should have him go and do it. And even through all of that, God assures him that he's the one that that, um, should lead the people out of slavery. So I'd love to tell you a story really quick about my personal life. This probably happened I would say 7 years ago, so quite a long time ago. I'm I'm not that old, so this is probably whenever I was 12 or 13. Um, So I was I've been playing music, I play piano, I don't know if some of you have seen me up on stage I've played piano for probably about 11 years or so, and my worship band at my church was holding this kind of event to train up new worship leaders to come into the church. And I was, I was kind of excited. I'd been playing piano at that point for about four years and I was pretty, feeling pretty confident. And so I go into this event and they tell us that we're gonna have a few hours of kind of working with the, with the people who are the head, the head of each instrument. So I worked with the main piano person at my church. And then the next week after, on Sunday, they'd hold auditions. So I go, and I'm, I'm all excited. I get up to the piano, and he's, he's kind of giving us instructions. And there's this other girl that's there as well. And I remember probably about after an hour, an hour and a half, I was thinking, I, I can't do this. This is, this is impossible. I, I, was claim, I was trained classically. And for any of you guys who have played music, uh, classical training and the things you do up on stage in a worship band, very different you're much more exposed up on a worship, band, uh, worship stage and you're not reading music like you would in a normal piece that you would play on piano. So I got up there and had no idea what I was doing, absolutely unprepared and I was freaking out because we at the end of this, we were gonna have to kind of do a little performance for everybody that was there and I was freaking out. And meanwhile, this girl that was next to me was picking up everything. Oh yeah, so it would be like this, or oh, so I play it like this, and she was like nailing it every single time. She had it. She was on top of everything. Like I was, I was, I had no idea what to do, and so I saw that man. Like th- this, this girl has, has, she's got it. I don't even know why I'm here anymore, and so the event goes by, and I'm sitting there, and. week starts to roll around, and the auditions are coming up. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go and make a fool of myself in front of all these people who I really respect who come up on stage every week. And yet I felt like God pushing me to say, no, you should do it. And my parents were saying, yeah, no, you should do it. And I was thinking, you you didn't see me. You didn't see me at the event. You you have no idea how bad it actually is. Um, And so I I protested. Up until the day of the audition, I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And my parents said, "Well, we're not going to drive you home until you do this audition." So I was forced to go and do this audition, and lo and behold, the girl that was so amazing didn't end up showing up. So I was the only one to audition for the piano part, and so I did eventually get it. Um, so as the story goes, I've been playing now worship for six or six odd years. I've lo- I love it. It's probably one of my favorite things to do up on the stage. But the point of that story is, I got into that scenario, and. I physically saw that there was somebody way more equipped for this task. I knew, like, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew that there was somebody who would be better for the task than I was. I had the wrong skill set. I was not trained the right way. Yet God said, no, I want you to do this. And I remember in that moment thinking, God, what am I doing? Why would I do this? This makes no sense. And yet God continued to push me and was there for me even whenever I knew that I wasn't the person for the job. And just like that, Moses also went and followed through with God, even though he, got, he, he knew all of his complaints were valid. You know, in his mind, he was thinking, well, I know that there are better people. I know that these people have better skill sets than me. Didn't matter. God wanted to use him. So as we go through the story, we see that Moses is there, you know, and he goes to the Pharaoh and there's all these plagues that are happening, and, you know, Moses is coming in and telling the Pharaoh every time, you need to let my people go, and there's locusts or famine or darkness that comes over the land, and every time the Pharaoh says, well, that's, that's pretty intense, but no, you're staying. You're not, we're, I'm not going to let you leave. And so every time that the Pharaoh would say no, Moses went and doubted God, there wasn't a single time, every time Moses would be like... God. Are you sure? Are you sure this is it? Are you, are you positive that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And God would say, continue on. And then Moses would go back, and then the next time, God would do something even bigger, and the Pharaoh would say, no. And every time, Moses was becoming more and more concerned and more and more doubtful, but he continued on nonetheless. Even whenever the people he was coming to try to save, the Israelites turned to him and say, you're making things worse. Stop, please. You're making, they're, they're treating us worse because you're doing this. We're fine with being enslaved. Just stop doing this, please. Moses continued to ask God and even through his doubts, he continued on. So he chose to have faith even when the doubt was overwhelming. Um, there's this quote that I really want to read out. Um, it's from a guy called uh, Greg Boyd. I watched him on this video a few week, uh, weeks ago at a youth event that we, uh, that we did. And he says this, having faith it's not the opposite of having doubts. A lot of people think that your faith is as strong as you are certain, but the biblical concept of faith has nothing to do with how certain you are. It's about how committed you are. I'm going I'm to read that again just so that that really sinks in because I think it's really important. Having faith is not the opposite of having doubts. A lot of people think that your faith is as strong as you are certain. But the biblical concept of faith has nothing to do with how certain you are. It's how committed you are. So even through the doubts, even through the hard times, and even through the things that don't make sense, Moses continued to be committed, and that's why he's commended for his faith. It's not because he didn't have doubts. Moses doubted on almost every step along this way, of this initial part of his story. He doubted so much, and he continued to have faith, that God was going to come through because he knew that God was going to take care of him. So the next time that you start thinking to yourself these questions of, it's not me, I'm, I, I can't be the one to do this. Uh, there, there are other people that, that have this way more under control. I, I've, I've done stuff that's already disqualified me, I can't do this. Don't view that as an opportunity, like, don't view that as doubts coming in and unfaithfulness. View that as an opportunity to grow your faith instead of an instead of something that is going to limit you in how much you can do use that as an opportunity to grow closer with Christ so that's exactly what Moses did and so Moses leads them out of Egypt after 10 plagues pharaoh finally says yeah you can go and then changes his mind almost immediately and runs after the israelites they come out and they and Moses leads them through the red sea as if on dry land again i'm skipping through a lot of this because there's a lot that Moses has a lot in his story but um, eventually, they get to this mountain and God gives them the Ten Commandments, and Moses is so excited. And he comes back down and sees that the Israelites are messed up. Because if you haven't noticed, the the common theme of the the story of Israel is that they succeed, they do something really amazing, and then almost immediately they turn around and do the exact opposite, and they mess up. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of applicable to us. But that's not the point of the sermon. Um, I think that 's you know, it's so easy to, to look at them and see, oh, they're, they're so up and down, but every day I feel like that's how we are. So Moses comes back down after getting the amazing Ten Commandments and sees that, what are they doing? They're worshiping some other god who's not real, and they, they're claiming that that was the one who led them out of Egypt. So because of that incident, there were 40 years where the Israelites had to wander through the wilderness because of one time that they said, no, of course, it wasn't God, this God who did all these amazing things, and brought all these amazing plagues to lead us out into part of the Red Sea. No, it wasn't him. So they're forced to walk 40 years in the wilderness, but Moses, the amazing leader that he is, and the amazing hero that he is, didn't waste that time. Moses set up a lot of systems in place and set up people to kind of help bring the people back into relationship with God. However, I think the most important thing that Moses did is spent a lot of time with this guy, this young man called Joshua. See, when I say a lot of time, I mean Joshua was by his side almost 24-7. Joshua got to come up with him and meet with God whenever he was getting the Ten Commandments. Joshua was in with uh, Moses whenever he would worship. Um, He was in when all the meetings were happening and all the things and systems were being set up. He was even sent on the very special mission, to go and spy on the promised land to figure out if they can take it. And so Joshua was being set up, was slowly being built up. And Moses did this because he realized that he wasn't going to be around forever. You know, Moses knew that eventually his time was going to come to an end and that he was going to need somebody to step up. And God had told him that Joshua was going to be that person. So this, I think, is what makes... Moses, one of the best leaders that we, one of the best examples that we read in the Bible, because I think if we look at a lot of biblical leaders, even some of the greats like David, we see that they have this great long reign, and then immediately after, somebody comes in and ruins all the stuff they just did, because they haven't set anybody in place behind them. They haven't set up or built any relationships with the people that are going to take their place. So, So often that we see amazing leaders followed up by people who completely mess things up. And I think that this step, this thing that we see Moses doing, is something we've talked about several times that we just did a series on it. It's discipleship. And I don't know if that word sounds familiar or not. It's what Jesus did. So if Jesus did it, we really should probably pay attention to it. And I think this is one of the first instances in the Bible that discipleship is seen in a real practical way. See, discipleship can sometimes be a big, scary word, and again, I know we just did a sermon on it, so, or a series on it, so I won't go too far into depth on practical ways to do discipleship, but I think it's really important to understand what it really is. And it's simply going through and walking with somebody and helping draw them closer to Christ. It's not sitting up and reading out of the Bible and saying, well, did you memorize this verse? Okay, you did, that's great. It's walking day by day with somebody and saying, how are you doing? How, how are you actually doing? How are you doing spiritually have you been have you been doing okay are things hard because things have been hard for me too and it's it's telling them and showing them that you know this faith is not something that's easy but it's something that can be shared you know and i think it's it's as easy as you know hey going to somebody and saying i'm trying to walk closer to christ I don't have it all figured out, but I'd love for you to walk behind me and see how I'm doing it. You can learn from my mistakes, and I can learn from you as well as we both grow. And I think that's so, so important. Discipleship, discipleship has personally changed my life. I, would, I wouldn't be here without discipleship. I, would, I probably wouldn't even be going to church without discipleship, I'm not going to lie. Um, there was a, a time in my life where I was really fading away from the church, and I didn't really see much purpose because I was coming on a Sunday. I would sit and listen, or I would be up playing, and I just, I wasn't getting why. I didn't get, I didn't see the purpose, but that's when discipleship was first introduced to me, and I saw that there's something special about meeting with people and getting to know somebody on a much deeper level than you can ever meet, ever than you can ever know somebody who's just standing up in front of you and speaking on a Sunday. So, um, in fact, I think this is so important that Jesus commands us to do this is his last commandment. Um, in Matthew twenty eight eighteen through 19, I think it's up on the screen, um, uh, Jesus says, uh, and it says, um, Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, um, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Um, uh, teaching you, to, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. And I don't think we we sometimes say, "Oh, yeah, we need to go and make disciples." But if you look at that first part, this is right after Jesus was given all authority, all authority over everything there ever has been. And this is the commandment He chooses to give. I think sometimes we miss that. We think, "Oh, well, yeah, we need to go and we need to go and make disciples. That's great. That's a good idea." But this is, this is something so important that I think so many people miss. It's because all authority has been, just been given to Jesus, and he knows that this is the only way that the church is going to grow. You know, it's not a great service on a Sunday that is going to bring in people. You know, it's not a cool event that we're going to hold that is all of a sudden going to, you know, convert a bunch of people. You know, that's, that's not how it works. It's building relationships personally with people and helping strengthen each other and growing closer to God. So I think Moses really got this, and this is exactly what he did with Joshua. And this is really because of this last point. So this last point, this last part of Moses' story that I want to look at, um, I call it the unseen harvest. So I don't know if you remember, but way back when, the very beginning of Moses' story, uh, Moses killed a guy. And now while God said, this does not disqualify you, there are still consequences for things that we do. And I know that you probably understand that, you know, even whenever there's forgiveness, there are still things that, you know, that have to come about because we've done things that are wrong. And this was especially true with Moses. So even though Moses was able to be this great leader, God told him from the very start that because of this, you're not going to get to see the promised land because of the things you've done. I want you to still be this leader and I want you to train up the next generation, but you're not going to get to go into the promised land so after everything, Moses, after everything Moses did and after all the faith that he put forward, he's not going to get to see the promised land. And That almost doesn't make any sense to me. But I think that God does that to us sometimes. You know, I think he asks us to invest in things that we're not going to get to see the end result of. Whether it's a church or whether it's people or whether it's something else, God will ask us to pour out our lives into something. But I think that even though it's very difficult it doesn't mean that it's not worth it. Just because something is hard and doesn't make sense to us does not mean that God isn't using it because the journey with God, the journey that he takes us on is the important part. That's what we spend 40 odd ver- or 48 chapters on in Exodus, is the journey of Moses, and yet he's still considered one of the greatest leaders. He, even though the end result, he doesn't even get to see it, he's still considered an amazing biblical hero because he stuck with it in the journey. You know, and I'm, I think about myself this past year. You know, I've, I've been able to build relationships. I've been able to go in and do assemblies. I've been able to worship with you and lead you guys in worship. I've seen salvations both with youth as well as here. You know, and I've done so much more. And I can honestly say this has been the most rewarding year of my life. And a big reason for that is because of you guys. You know. Getting to know all of you has been just amazing, and the community here, specifically here at Seaside Vineyard, has blown me away, even from the first day that I got here. It has been a privilege to be invited into your homes, to serve alongside you, and to learn from all of you, but I have to go. God's calling me somewhere else, and in a lot of ways, I feel like Moses, and I feel broken I feel unqualified, and I'm not going to get to see where all this amazing stuff goes. And I'll tell you what, it was worth every single second I was here. It really was. So now I need you guys. You know, this is where there's a call to action because I've done everything I could. I have poured out my life here for a year. I've really tried to, to be here for you guys And now I need you guys to go and build other people up. God's got a calling. And you may feel unworthy. You may feel unqualified. You know, so did Moses. So did I. You know, I have no education in any of this. I've not taken a public speaking class. I've taken no religion classes. I had never even worked with primary-aged kids until this year. And yet God equipped me be able to do this it was not me it was not any training that i had gone through god used me and he's going to use you so don't feel like you're unworthy or not able to do this stuff that god's calling you to because he has amazing plans incredible plans for you, you know, and i say this calling what is this calling you know I think that it looks different for every single person, but I think the foundation of it is that discipleship that I talked about earlier. You know, it's great to go and to set up events, and it's been, I mean, I've been blessed so much to work with Paula and do stuff like Kids Club and Lunch Club, and it's incredible, but the important part of that is not, the important part is not going and putting on a show and playing the games. It's building the relationships with those kids. The important part of me getting to go to Connect Group is because I got to be with people and learn about people's lives in a real way. And the, the best part for me about coming to this church is the time before and after where we get to talk to people. You get to build real relationships and learn about some, how somebody's really doing. Not the, how are you? Oh, I'm great. You know, we hear that so often. and I think that we're missing out on opportunities there. So, I, I want to challenge you guys to focus on discipleship because it's the only way that this is going to grow. It's the only way that we're going to grow, and it's the only way that God's going to be able to accomplish the amazing things that he has for you guys here. So every day, I challenge you to be investing because once this life's said and done, once we're all gone, once we've all separated and gone our separate ways, the, investment we make, the investments we make in people are the things that are going to last So, you may not see the end result, but I'm sure if Moses were here, he would tell you that all of it is worth it. So, I'd like to pray with you guys. Um, That's all I have, but I'm so thankful for this year. It's been incredible, Um, and I just want to pray and really kind of send you guys out. You know, there's a lot of things that are going to be changing and a lot of things that are going to be moving forward over this next year, but I can tell that God has something special For Teesside Vineyard this next year. You know, I was blessed to get to be here for a year and work with you guys, and I can tell that God has some amazing things that He's got in store. So I'd just love to pray, uh, and then I'm going to hand it back off to the worship band, um, and we'll, we'll really respond in that. So everybody just bow your heads. God, I just thank you so much for the people. God, I thank you so much for. Allowing me and giving me the amazing opportunity to come and know some of these people, God, God, it's it's something that, amazing. Whenever you get to know somebody so much that you know it's not just a it's not just a back and forth conversation of yeah, I'm good, things are great. God, whenever you get to have those real discussions with people about what they're really going through, God, that's what makes it worth it. And so, God, I pray. This next year, as Teesside Vineyard continues on, you know, as, as they continue to move forward and things change and things grow and other things may seem like they're shrinking, God, I pray that every step of the way you would remind them that this is your plan. God, whether they feel unqualified, whether they feel unworthy of these things that, you, that you've called them into, God, I pray that you would equip them and show them that you love them. And that's what really matters. That your plan is. Is perfect. And God, I pray for the discipleship that you want in this church. God, I pray for the relationship that you want to build. I pray that people who are a little, just a little bit further on in their faith would help guide the people who are a little bit behind into a deeper and a more amazing relationship with you, God, because just like we talked about last week, God, there's there's something so special about being able to actually grow in the relationship with you, not simply just to be along for the ride and say, yeah, I know Jesus, but to to truly know you, God, is something special. So God, I pray that over each and every single one of the people here. God, I pray that over the people who are in this congregation who aren't here today. God, I pray that you would start something new and amazing and fresh here at Teesside Vineyard, God. God, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to be involved in it. And God, I thank you so much that even though I won't get to see the end, God, you will continue it on because this is your good work that you're going to finish. So God, I just pray this all in your son's name. Amen.